0: For those of you that are, that that are new and that like, what is that? What's going on? Our series right now we're calling it Greater Than, and 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 our our question is: What if Jesus ran for political office? What would it look like to have the disciples as his campaign managers, and uh, how would they botch everything up? And uh, so uh, that's what the, that video is: is is the disciples as Jesus campaign managers, and and uh, I know that Jesus didn't run for office and he wasn't taken over over earthly kingdoms and. And, and everything, but he uh, he did have a stump speech, and that 's what we 're looking at right now we 're in a in, in thir- third weekend into a ten week series of looking at jesus' stump speech, the Sermon on the Mount where he gives us, he tells us and he teaches us the platforms of the kingdom, the platforms of the kingdom of God, and what it what it is to be a part of and what it is to be a citizen of or a disciple of jesus uh and, and, and to be in his kingdom what is it that we stand on as being a part of of jesus kingdom and maybe you're like man i you know i've i've just come into back into church i have a hard time with church and and you're talking about being a citizen of the kingdom i don't even know if i'm interested in god or not or jesus or not and that was kind of funny but I'm not, I'm not i'm not sure if i'm into this thing or not you know here talking about this being a citizen of the kingdom and and what's this habit for me and 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 things like that and you're like this is a good week for you to be here. This is a good week for you to be here because you can just kind of sit back, relax, realize that we're talking about we're talking about what it means to follow God. And you just get to get to listen in and go, okay, if that's what it means, then maybe I'm interested. If that's what it means, maybe I'm interested. No strength attached, no hooks, no nothing. But those of you that are followers of God, that are disciples, that are, consider yourself part of the kingdom in our body, and are bought in, you're on the hook, baby you other hook today and throughout this entire series because the Sermon on the Mount is about Jesus, Jesus telling people who have decided to follow him what it looks like to really follow him and be a part of his kingdom. And where we left off last week and where we left Jesus off in his, in his sermon, uh, in, in his stump speech, is that he was telling us that we can have so much impact that can leave non-fans of God cheering God. That we can have, with our life, that we can have so much impact in our life and with our life that we can leave people who are not fans of God cheering God. For those of us that were here last week, I hope that we left excited and, and expecting God and praying for God to, to have this type of impact and allow us to have this type of impact on people that, that, that non-fans are cheering God. And, and because of our life, non-fans are cheering God. And, but maybe sometime during the week, you're like, man, well, that's all exciting and everything, but how does it happen? How really does that happen? Because for, for, for our life to impact others, we have to have behavior. We have to have action. We, we, we have to have a different life. And, and, and Salt and light, I mean, that's all good. and That's a nice metaphor and everything, but what does this really mean? How on earth do I get these good deeds that Jesus is talking about in order for people to cheer God? Where do I get these good deeds? And Jesus in his brilliance, this is where he heads to next. Knowing that people are going to be asking this question, where do I get these good deeds? He tells us. He tells us. We're going to be in Matthew 5. You can follow along in a hardband Bible. or We're going to throw the verses up on the screen. Uh, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can download the Bible app. And you can you can find us on the live events on the Bible app. And follow along there. You can even take notes and keep notes on your smartphone or tablet. We're going to be in, in, in Matthew five seventeen, And Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I've come. Now, Jesus knows he has two types of people in his crowd. Maybe we have two types of people here in our crowd. Jesus knew he had two types of people in his crowd. Uh, one type of people was the religious, the people who tried to live according to God and, and was interested in God, lived their entire life around God. And, and what they knew as the synagogue and the temple of that day, what we would know of as church today, and, and, and the, the, the religious and then there's another group of people there listening to Jesus, the non-religious, the people that, 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 that wasn't interested in God and had no interest in God. But this Jesus guy is kind of interesting. He has a simple message, a simple message of hope and that, 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 that God is close and that God's kingdom is close and all we have to do to find God's kingdom is repent. And he's going around doing all these miracles and everything and, and I'm interested in this guy and he seems to not care that, that I'm not religious. He seems to not care about that. And so Jesus had these two groups of people in the crowd, maybe for the first time in this magnitude, for the first time in history, that we have these two groups of people in the same crowd as Jesus is teaching. And he's telling them, don't misunderstand why I've come. Don't misunderstand. This is that moment. This is that moment where, where maybe you've been talking to somebody, and they're nodding their head, and they're shaking their head, and you know they don't really get what you're saying. You know, for me as a pastor and a preacher and a teacher, and this is the, the, the time. And I, I know this never happens here. This, this really, this never happens here. But this is that time that people amen. And I'm thinking, you, you really don't have any idea. You wouldn't be amening if you had an idea what I am saying right now. And this is what Jesus said. Don't amen. Don't amen. Because you may just misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand why I've come. And he's telling this to both of these groups. He's telling us both of these scriptures. I did not come to abolish or demolish or get away or or take away, uh, get rid of the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. How do we get these good deeds that cause other people to cheer, the non-fans of God to cheer God? How do we get these good deeds? Through the law. To the law. This is where Jesus heads next. Some of you may be like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't, I, I, I didn't go to church or I get, went out of church because all these rules and regulations the people telling me what to do and what to think and, and, and all this stuff. And you're telling me? You're telling me that we're going right back into it? You showed a funny video and you were kind of reeling me in and we're going right back to the law? Right back to rules and regulations. Right back to there. Come on now. I thought you were cooler than that. But imagine what was going through the non-religious minds of the day, of that day, in the crowd. And you're like, oh, come on, Jesus. We thought you were one of us. You're doing all these miracles. Why don't you just? Stop and do a miracle. I like that. That's fun. That's nice. That's good. People leave feeling good. Why don't you go back to the simple message the one that God is close and God is near? But, man, the law, that's why we don't like the Pharisees. That's why we don't like the religious people. Why are you going there? But the religious people, they're like, hey, hmm, we we're wondering about him and his new message and going off doing all these miracles and stuff and wondering about him but maybe he is one of us maybe he is and so we have this tension today with the law we're like oh that's so 21st century BC what is the law what is the law See when the law was written, it was written in a time that God was had 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 miraculously brought Israel out of Egypt, the whole ten plagues, and let my people go, you know, Charleston Heston and you know everything. I'm like, what? Uh, anyway. Certain demographic age group. Yeah. Anyway. Um <clears throat> And then the Red Sea thing, and parting, and going across, and, and, and then after they get across, God gives them what it looks like to have this relationship, and, and, and the law is what it looks like to have this relationship with God. So he gave it to people, he gave the law to people who are already in relationship with him, in relationship with him. And the whole reason why God gave the law, and he tells us this in the law, uh, that He gave this so that they could follow it and then the other countries around could look at Israel and go, hold hold on a minute. The way you conduct yourself, the way you govern yourself, the way you live your life, what kind of God do you have that cares so much that he'll tell you how to live? That he'll show you how to have true life? that he'll show you how to have mercy because the law, the, the, the law that God gave us in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the law that God gave us was the most merciful law of the day. It's the most merciful law of the day. And so those parts of the Bible that when we maybe try and read through the Bible and we're like, yeah, we're try, we're going through Genesis and we're we're hitting it and we're kicking it like this isn't so bad and we get to Exodus and let my people go and this is exciting. Yeah, go Charlton, you know, and all this and that and the other and like, yeah, and then we then we get to Exodus 13 and it's not so bad and 20 and we're like, where'd the excitement go? What happened? Then we get to Leviticus and we're like, holy smokes, don't... Boil a kid in its mother's milk? What does that even mean? That's what? And we give up. And we're like, what? what is this? But the psalmists say, your law is like gold to me. It's like honey on my lips. They love it. Can we get to that point? Is it possible to get to that point? And then we fast forward a couple thousand years to this guy named Saul who was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He, he had the Old Testament memorized. He was good. He was righteous. He was moral or according to what he thought the law said. He persecuted Christians. He, he, he thought he was on God's side. And then God knocked him off his donkey. Jesus came down and knocked him off his donkey and, and, and completely changed his life and transformed his life. And then he wrote a whole bunch of letters to churches that he started and churches that he didn't start in in the Mediterranean. And a lot of those letters describe the relationship that the law has to us now today. And he helps us understand what is the law, Galatians 3.24. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian or our nanny until Christ came. It protected us until we could make right with God through faith. The law is our guardian. The law is our protector. The law is our nanny. The law is our au pair. Chasing after a kid to make sure the kid doesn't get into something he's not supposed to get into, you know? Stop. Don't touch that. And, uh, don't touch that burner. Don't get it in the knife door. And, uh, you know, you, we've been there. If you've been around kids at all, you've done that. And the law is our protector and our guardian until, until we come to know who God is and know Christ. It's those moments that, that we're, we're, when we're doing something or we're thinking about doing something that, that, that twinge in our chest, going, "I don't think that's a good idea." It's the law going no, 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 not the knife door." The law has that purpose. But also in Romans, and Paul has a lot to say about the law in Romans. Romans 2.12, when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they have ne- never had God's written law. And the Jews who have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. The The, the law is our standard. The law is the, 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 the what we will be judged by by God. It's the standard in which to live up to. He's saying that the Jews were directly given to it, given it. But the Gentiles weren't. The non-religious weren't. But he goes on in the rest of the chapter in, in Romans 2 to, 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 to talk about how, even though the Gentiles, the non-religious, weren't directly given the law, when they do good, it shows that they have the law written in them, that God has already put the law in all of us. And that is the standard by which God is going to judge, and God is going to going to going to Look at us. What else is the law? Romans 7, 7 through 12. Well, then I, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. The, 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 in the same way, but a little bit different way. The law is how we know what sin is. I would never have known what coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. So the 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 the, the, the law allows us to know what sin is, but the law also allows sin to be like a be like a lion crouched down or a tiger crouched down in the weeds, or then pounce on us when we realize what sin is. Like what? What do you mean by that? I know there's nobody like this in this room. I know, I know there's nobody like this in there. When somebody says don't, and there's something that wells up in here and go, well, Scott, don't be, t- don't, don't, you even. Uh-uh, don't elbow her. You know better than that. When somebody says don't, and, and there's something that wells up like, don't, don't. Well, I think I do. Thank you very much. That's what Paul's talking about. That is that as soon as somebody says "don't," there's something in us that's like, I will have you don't right here. And one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, the commands were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. When we break the law, we find death. We think we're going to find life, but we find death. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and just. The law is holy and right and just. The law is righteous. The law is, uh, it brings life as well. It brings life. This is why the psalmist can say, it's gold to me because it brings life. And if we find it, if we find it, it brings life. And then Ezekiel thirty-six. This is Old Testament. This is Old Testament. This is before Jesus came. This is Old Testament, and God gives Ezekiel, tells Ezekiel exactly, exactly what He wants to do with the law. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. You will break the law. I know you will break the law, but I will cleanse you of that. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. That, that uh, heart that says do when, when they say don't, I'll give you a completely new heart. I'll take the stubborn heart out of you and give you a heart that's moldable. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit, capital S, my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I'll give you a brand new heart and, and, and I'll give you my spirit. I'll give you myself to live inside of you so that you can follow my decrees, my laws. So that so that my law lives in you in you so we have this weird relationship with the law today that i don't know whether to 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 listen to it or rather discard it but jesus then says "I, i didn't come to destroy it and here we've always been told like if you've been in church long you know longer than like five minutes we've been told it's by grace and not by works and and, and how does this all work inside of all this? But it was just, you know, pray a prayer. And then I get to heaven. And, the, and that day, the religious leaders, and they're following the law, but the non-religious are like, oh man, if it's about the law, like, really? So we can't miss an integral sentence in the middle of all this. We can flash right by it. We can go right by it if we're not careful. In our core text, in in Matthew 5 17, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. No. I came to accomplish, complete, fulfill there the law and the prophets' purpose. See, how do we get these good deeds? Through the law. we get these good deeds through the law but through the filter of Jesus we get these good deeds through the law as Jesus completed it through the the law but how Jesus fulfilled it through the law but looking at the law through the filter, through the lens of Jesus See, everything in the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus. And everything about Jesus meshes with the Old Testament and actually Jesus completes the Old Testament. And then the rest of the Bible, the, rest, the Acts and to the letters and the rest of the Bible points to the law through the filter of Jesus. Everything. That's the Bible in a nutshell. And so here we are. We're actually on an Occam's Razor where we have a slippery slope, slope on both sides. Where if we follow the law and it's all about the law and all about us following the law, we go into legalism. We go into the rules and regulations and all this and that and the other. But if we go off too much on, on the other side, we have a slippery slope that says, ah, nah, nah, no big deal. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And here Jesus says, no, 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 no come to complete the law. So does it mean that he has completed the law? Hebrews 10, 8 and 10. And the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews wrote Hebrews in order order for people to get a picture of how the Old Testament and the New Testament mesh together. So Hebrews 10, 8 through 10. First Christ said, and this is quoting directly from the Old Testament, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. For, nor were we pleased with them. Quoting directly from the Old Testament, that, that, that ultimately, that God, even though he set this up, and said, go sacrifice for your sins, even though God set that up, it wasn't about killing the animals. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about that. Though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to fulfill, or do, your being God's will. So what's his will? He canceled the first covenant, in order to put the second in effect. For God's will. Ah, ding, 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 ding. We're going to figure out what God's will is. For God's will was for us to be made holy. Catch that? God's will is for every one of us to be made holy. To be made a saint. For us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. So, 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 as we look at the Old Testament, at the law, and the the the, the, the major thing of the law was the sacrifice. And as we look at the law through the lens of Jesus, we're looking at the law and we're looking at all the sacrifices and, and what the what it's intended it isn't just people just going up and going ah, it's my lamb. That's not what God intended. What God wanted was to for people to realize that holy cow, I've. I've, I've 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 broken God's law. Holy cow! I need to bring a cow, a bull, to the altar. And as you stand in front of the altar, you go, I cannot believe that that God will forgive me and allow my sin to rest on this on this animal. See, so that was the will of God. That's God's will. That's what the whole deal is intended and what it's pointing to is the sacrificial lamb that's coming it's called jesus so that once and for all his sacrifice makes us holy holy and god's will is that every one of us be holy like you don't know what i did last night you may be like you don't know what i'm thinking about right now his will is to make every one of us whole. No matter how much we've broken the law, because we've all broken it. We're all in that spot. None of us can be there. We've all broken it. And He's the one that makes us whole. That's God's will. That's His will. And so for, in order for our good deeds to lead non-fans to cheer God, we have to, we, we, we have to take a hold of the law, but only through the filter of Jesus. Only through the filter of Jesus. Only through the filter of Jesus. Because if we do that, then we don't go down either side. We don't go down the legalism because it's through the filter of Jesus. And we don't go down the, 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 the slippery slope of, ah, eh, whatever, because we're, we're holding on to the law. Because it's a law through the filter of Jesus. Law through the filter of Jesus. Maybe we're still like kind of like, ah, how important is this? Really, come on now. Like I said before, this is so 21st century B.C., and that's 4,000 years ago. Really? Really? In the 21st century A.D. Like, come on now. How important is this, really? Jesus keeps going. Matthew 5, 19. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. How important is it to Jesus. How important is this to Jesus? And here's what he's doing. Here's what he's doing. Here's what, or here's what's going on. Here's what's going on in the mind of the religious people. They're like, wow! He is on our side! Because all they did, all they did, all they, every day, all they did was take the laws of God, the 630 some odd laws of God in the Old Testament, and then add on to it the, all their interpretation, all the laws that they, they added in order to, to help God out and make sure that, you know, that you know, God needed some help. He didn't clarify here, so I had added to this law. and we're, we're taking all those, and all they did was sit around and debate which was the highest law, which was the greatest law, and which was the least law. It's like an ESPN power ranking for laws. that's all they did so Jesus is like you know the, the least law if you follow it teach others to do the same then you're great in the kingdom you know that least law the same least law if you, if you break it and you teach others to break it then you're least in God's kingdom and all the religious people are going that's what we do he <laughs> is one of us and all the non-religious people are going oh man I don't even care about the law, let alone teach it to somebody. Come on now. Man, holy cow. Jesus. I thought you were one of us. What's Jesus saying here? Maybe you're like, oh, I can't be a teacher. I can't get up and do what you do. And I can't I can't even lead a small group. But what is it? What's the bu- the buzzword is? Like disciples, right? That's why we're talking about making, disciple making relationships not really even small groups. Making disciples. That, that's, that's what we're talking about here where Jesus is going to make, make disciples in this. How do, we, how, do we, how do we have good deeds in order for other people who are non-fans to applaud us? We teach the law as, as, through the filter of Jesus. We teach this to other people. We make disciples of this. More disciples are made around a coffee table than they are here more disciples are made around a coffee table than here more disciples are made at starbucks than here more disciples are made at st- a new scott would like that one more disciples are made at mcdonald's more disciples are made on living room more disciples are made in the gym more disciples are made everywhere else besides right here why because that's our opportunity to be able to get into each other's lives and go how is god working what does it look like for us to follow jesus that can get us interested here. This serves a purpose, but disciples really aren't made here. They're not really made here. They're made in circles—two, three, four people, ten people. Made in circles. And everybody can make a disciple. And you're like, oh man, this is serious. This is intense. This is like, man, if you if you if you do this and get it wrong, holy cow, what's going to happen? That's not the intent. We empty our cup into somebody else. We just teach them the law through the filter of Jesus, the best we know how right now. The best we know how right now. That's it. The best we know how right now. Not the five years from now you. That's impossible. You can't teach people based on the five years from now you. You don't know what that looks like. Teach people disciple people get engaged with people's life on the you that is you right now now the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength the heart that you have right now not the heart you want to have in five years not the heart that you think you'll have because if you wait for the heart you think you will have in five years guess what you will never start discipling people never because in five years you're really like hey, no, 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 no. i need another five years i need another five years And 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 empty your cup. Don't try to empty somebody else's cup. It's awkward and weird and just doesn't work out. You know, empty your cup into somebody else. Don't try to empty Billy Graham's cup. Don't try to empty my cup. Don't try to empty empty the TV preacher's cup. Empty your cup where you are right now into somebody else. Love the Lord your God. With your heart where you are right now. Not with somebody else's heart. Not with the five years from you, from, from now you heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. Give into to somebody else. Empty your cup into somebody else. The cup that you have right here and right now. Empty your cup. We need passionate people pursuing after God with all that they have right now emptying their cup into somebody else and the gospel is that anybody can do it. Anybody. It just takes somebody going, I'm going to empty my cup into somebody, into somebody, and fill them up. But maybe for some of us we're still kind of stuck on the whole law thing. We're still kind of still stuck on that rules and regulation thing. They're like, I just don't know about that. I just don't know about that it seems so anti-grace 520 but I warn you I warn you unless your righteousness is better than, than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven this is brilliant this is absolutely brilliant what Jesus is doing here's what Jesus is doing he's, he's, it's like he has a pile of bird seed in his hand he's like come here birdie Birdie, 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 birdie. Come here, come here, come here. And the birdie comes up and he perches himself on, on his hand and starts taking the bird the Oh, cute birdie, nice birdie, pretty birdie. Ah! Birdie. <laughs> and I'm going to name you Petey. Huh? This is what he does to the Pharisees. This is what he does to them. Of all this time... All this time, he's going. He, he's he's letting them think, man. He's one of us, man. He's with us, man, man. I, thought, I, I I was wondering about him, but but he's with us. And then all of a sudden, he changes the tables. And for the the non-religious, going, I, I thought he was one of us. Going, ha, he is one of us. Look at that. Look at that. He just put them in their place. Woohoo! Yeah, go Jesus. And in the crowd, I'm sure there was snickering and murmuring as he, he says, you know what? You've got to be better at righteousness than the Pharisees, than the religious leaders, the best ones at righteousness. You've got to be better than them in order to find the kingdom. Non-religious people are like, that's awesome, that's great. He is one of us. But as the murmuring died down, I, 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 I probably figure that even the non-religious as they started to think about it going wow if uh, man if if they can't reach the kingdom and they're the ones that have as good and righteousness as anybody else how can I? Jesus is calling us to go after a greater righteousness than what we can provide for ourselves. Back in the Beatitudes, back in the the first sermon, the apex of the Beatitudes is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it takes us to realize that there's a greater righteousness than what we provide for ourselves in order to hunger and thirst for it. Because we don't hunger and thirst for our own righteousness. But we are hunger and thirst for righteousness that's greater than us. And Jesus is telling us, hunger and thirst for greater righteousness than what you can have or what anybody around you can have. Hunger and thirst for that righteousness. Because what's the blessing? You'll be satisfied. You'll be filled. Hunger and thirst for that righteousness. How do we, how do we, how do we have good enough deeds for people to end up cheering? God have good enough deeds by living life the way Jesus lived it see the law is righteous the law is holy the law is good Jesus is the personification of the law He came and lived out and acted out the law perfectly. So you wonder what kind of mercy is in the law? Look at Jesus. You want to know what kind of truth is in the law? Look at Jesus. You want to know what kind of grace is in the law? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. You want to know what it looks like to live out the law? Look at Jesus. But He is more than our example. He is more than our model. And we see this all the way back to the Old Testament. Remember, we're looking at the Old Testament through the the filter of Jesus. We see this all the way back to the Old Testament. Genesis 15, 6. Even before the law. Even before the law. And Abraham believed the Lord. The second time God showed up to Abraham. Abraham believed the Lord. And he credited to him, or counted him as righteous because of his faith. God looked at Abraham and said, you're righteous because of his faith. Even in the Old Testament, God was giving away His righteousness to people who had faith. That's the same thing He does now. Ephesians 3.17 Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Christ, the righteous one, will make His home in our hearts as we trust Him. He'll come live inside of us. Sounds a little bit like Ezekiel. He'll come live inside of us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ who never sin, to become sin for us, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Well, that's right. I, I, I like other translations better that say so that we can become God's righteousness. When we come to faith in Christ, when we come to faith in God, and we we want His righteousness, God looks at His ass and goes, Righteous. Righteous. Because we're given Christ righteousness. And we become the righteousness of God to the world. This means, this means, we can't use the law as a beat stick to people who don't have a relationship to them, to God. God gave the law as relationship building to His people. We can't use it as a beat stick because it is for us to know and for us to live out because God has given it to us inside of us to be his righteousness, to be his acted out righteousness to the world because what we are, his body. We his body. It's living in this world today. So instead of using it as a beat stick, we simply live it out and show people the hope that comes and the life that comes from living out life as Jesus intended for us to live it. As we look at the law through the filter of Jesus and live out the law through the filter of Jesus and we're saying we want the same thing for you God doesn't matter it doesn't matter to God that you have broken his law per se because he sent Jesus to be the perfect one in our place We watched uh, lame Miz this week and and, uh, and and the one, the movie, the one with Russell Crowe and, and Hugh Jackman. We, we watched Les Mis this week. And, and uh, you know, uh, but before you go there, before you go there, it's in, the, it's in the rules. It's in the rules. It's in the rules. It's in the rules that any movie with Russell Crowe, you automatically retain your man card. And then Hugh Jackman is just a cherry on top. So don't even go there with me, all right? But I wrote down, the next morning I wrote down 15 pictures, of what I could remember, 15 pictures from that movie and how they're a picture of the gospel. And one of the, one of the deals with that movie, one of the, one of the, one of the pictures from that movie is, is actually you see it in two different scenes. You see where the two main characters, they both wrestle with righteousness. And here's what they're wrestling with. They're wrestling with the fact that their righteousness... And their unrighteousness does not match God's. They came face to face with God's righteousness. They came face to face with the picture of God's righteousness. And then they had to wrestle with the fact that their righteousness didn't measure up to it and their unrighteousness didn't measure up to it. And both guys had two different reactions, two different, two different, two different actions towards it. One, one, He wrestled with it. And then he leaned into it. And he said, I'm I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm leaving my righteousness behind. I'm leaving my unrighteousness behind so that I can have the righteousness that was depicted to me. And the other guy, he ran from it. He saw it. He wrestled with it. And he ran from it. You know what's interesting? Interesting about this picture that God himself didn't come down into this film, this play, movie, book, whatever. God himself didn't come down and interact. They didn't see a picture of God's righteousness because they saw God in flesh. They saw a picture of God's righteousness because they saw a human being who had the righteousness of God live it out. And it caused them to decide, am I going to cheer God or not? We're all faced with that choice. We're all faced with that choice when we when we are face to face with the righteousness of God, and we wrestle with our righteousness not being good enough, and our unrighteousness certainly not being good enough. And we wrestle with that. What is the decision we make? We're going to lean in and say, "Old life is gone, and I want a new life." Or are we going to run? And what's interesting is that as it's pictured in the movie, the guy ran because he relied too much on the law. He relied too much on the law and what he could do. And it just didn't jive. And instead of leaning in, he ran away. So don't misunderstand why Jesus came. He came to fulfill... And complete the law. Because we can never do that. Do we want people to end up cheering God because of our good deeds? We have to live live out, life out through the filter of Jesus. The band's going to play three more songs for us so that we can wrestle. So that we can wrestle wherever we're at today, whatever the next step is for us today, so we can wrestle, give up to God, and pursue Him. And pursue His righteousness. And hunger and thirst for His righteousness. So we can then hear and follow. Because when we hear and follow, it's not about us, because God's leading us. What about us doing it? God's leading us. Hearing and following. And guess what? When we follow Jesus, guess where he's going to lead us? Smack dab into the middle of the law. Because he is the perfection of the law. And we'll get to where we go. The law is honey on my lips because it's where Jesus is and he's leading me. So while while they sing... Worship. If you need to pray, pray. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to talk to somebody, I'm going to be up here. She's going to be back there. Grab somebody that you trust. Help work it out. But wrestle with God. And when you leave it, a, leave it out there, when you leave it out there, pursue Him and celebrate what He's doing in your life. Let's pray. And Father Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your righteousness that you're given to us. I just pray, Lord, that we'll pursue that. We'll hunger and thirst for your righteousness. That we can see you work in people's lives, all all the people that are here and sitting here that, 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 that we are able to impact in ways we never thought possible just simply because we are living this out through the filter of you. And people are going, I I want this Jesus. Lord, I pray that we hold both sides in tension. And chase after you and your righteousness. We just thank you and we love you. In your name we pray.